Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. God's a God of variety. How many different colors there are? I mean, there's stuff we don't even know. So you will be like Christ, but you will still be individual. You will still be individual. The uniqueness that God has placed in your life and called you to be will still be present, but you will resemble him. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Praise the Lord. Wherever you are listening or however you're listening or by podcast, we welcome you today in Jesus' name. All right, we've just concluded, as my wife said earlier, just concluded our fast, our 21-day fast. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, yes. But I do want to caution you not to add things back into your life too quickly. Not to add things back into your life too quickly. Sugars, too much, an excess of sugar is not good for anybody. I didn't expect any amens on that. An excess of sugar is not good for anybody. It's not good for our bodies. Uh, when you're looking at your packages, your packaged food, I need you to begin to check those labels, especially for high fructose, the high fructose corn, corn syrup. That stuff is bad for you, man, because the body doesn't know what to do with it. So when you put something into your mouth, it's either going to go in one of three places. If your body can identify it and use it, it's going to be transformed into energy. If it cannot identify it, it may store it away. And when it stores, your body stores food, it's called fat. It comes to fat. Or it would, may simply say, eject, and you go into the bathroom. <laughs> Hallelujah. So think about that. Think about that. It either becomes energy, it becomes fat, or it's ejected. And it's got to get out of you. All right, so one of the three, one of the three. So make, let's make better food choices. So don't add things so quickly back into your life. Excess is never good. Excess of television is not good. Excess of social media is not good. You need to watch it because some things in social media, well, most media, uh, is designed to keep you watching. Especially you say, well, this is just one minute. I'll just watch this one minute short. Then becomes another one. And then another one, and then another one, and then another one. Before you know it, you've been there 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes right there in that position. Just watching nothing. I can't get no talking here. Excess is not good. An excess of anything is not good. So please be cautious when you do that. So I want to also challenge you. You've been praying, praying three times a day or at least praying more than once a day. I want to challenge you to continue that. I want to challenge you also to do regular fasting times. If you're fasting once a week or once a month, make it a regular fasting. Make, make it a habit. Make regular fasting a habit. Those of you that have been listening to the Bible uh, over the course of this fast, let me challenge you to continue to do that. Start your, um, your yearly Bible plan. There's plenty of apps that will help you do that to listen to the Bible over the course of a year. 
you're still in you're still in the beginning of the year so let's go ahead and get that started and keep the word of god flowing into you keep it flowing into you so we don't want to let go of habits that we've established in the 21 days we want to keep some of these things going amen beneficial so let's keep it up hallelujah praise the lord Let's go back into the series entitled, Tell Hell No. It's time for you to stand up in your rights. And today we'll be talking about many things today. We're going to go back to Matthew, the 16th chapter. Matthew 16, as we were here on last time. And I'm going to read just a little bit. And we're going to do just a little bit of recapping, and then we'll go a little bit further. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 19 says this. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, or others, uh, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 17. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father in heaven. Verse 18, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, let me show you one thing here that we've been really just sort of looking at for the past few weeks, and it keeps coming to me, so I'm going to just follow in line and just flow with the Spirit. Notice what the Lord said there again in verse number 18. I want you to notice this. He says, upon this rock I will build. We know that Jesus is the one who's building the church, and we know that the church is not made of brick and mortar. The church is made of people, those who identify with Jesus, those who are following Jesus, those who receive him as Savior and Lord. Amen. He says, so he's building individual people. Jesus, say with me, Jesus is building me. Now, notice the terminology here. He says, upon this rock, I will build the Bible does not say, upon this rock, I will place my church. Or upon this rock, I will uh, put this structure that needs no assistance. No, he said, I will build my church. Jesus knows who you are, and he, he knows all about the building material. Remember, he formed you in the belly. Before he formed you in the belly, he knew you. So God knows the type of building materials that are needed to complete your structure. Every builder has a plan. Every builder has a blueprint. We've said that. So Jesus already has in mind what he's going to do with you. And it is the Father's desire to, for Jesus to build you, for Jesus and the Spirit, to build you in the image of Christ. That's the structure. Now, as Jesus is building you, you will all, we will all keep our unique identities He's not going to superimpose himself on you where we don't recognize you anymore. No, God is a God of variety. How many types of fish are there in the sea? I have no idea. Some things they haven't even discovered yet. How many stars are there in the heaven? No idea. How many plants are there in the world? No idea. God is a God of variety. How many different colors there are? I mean, there's stuff we don't even know. So you will be like Christ but you will still be individual. Yes. 
you will still be individual. The uniqueness that God has placed in your life and called you to be will still be present, but you will resemble him. Isn't that awesome? So the Lord knows that you will require work. Now, here's a, here's a, here's something that not many people really realize. Maybe some of you will. Before people came to Christ, they had a life. Some people, do you get that revelation? You had a life before you came to Jesus. You had built a structure before you came to Jesus. So Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church. So that means that there must be destruction before there is construction. He's got to tear something down before he builds something up. And many of us can become weary in the destruction process. You say, before I came to Christ, I had this, I had that. Now look, it's just, I just look like rubble. Now look, I had walls and now it's all, my life was together. What happened? I thought Jesus was supposed to come and make my life better. He is. Taking off one brick at a time, all that faulty stuff. Taking out those rotten boards that you had in the house and all this other rotten stuff that we had at the core of our foundation. That stuff got to be taken out. Remember, you were falling through your floor. Don't remember that. Lord said, I got to take all of that out. He is the master carpenter, the master builder. He said, I got to rip all of that out. You don't have good bones. You didn't have good bones before you came to the Lord. He said, I got to rip it all down to the foundation. I got to tear it all down so I can build it up again. The thing is that we must not be weary in the destruction process. And we must not become weary in the construction process. This is why you can't judge people. This person, they say, well, I, I believe in Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. But you say, I don't really see Jesus in your life. You don't know what part they're on, what part of the journey they're on. They may very well still be in the destruction phase where the Lord has taken some things away. You say, I don't, re- I don't see Christ yet. Hey, just give the Lord some time. Give the Lord some time. And one thing about builder, a, a good builder, you know, if you're in a brand new building project and he's torn down and now he's getting ready to build up and we're just putting the framing up, you don't go and buy the kitchen sink yet or the 60-inch colored TV. You don't buy all that stuff yet. You don't have anywhere to put it. So you say, am I ever going to get a 60-inch television in my living room? Honey, you don't even have sheetrock up yet. The electrical has not been pulled yet. And we're still thinking about this and that and the other. Let the Lord have his time. That means so building is a, it's a process that takes place over time, bit by bit by bit by bit, phase by phase by phase. First the foundation, that's Jesus. Then the Lord begins to build your walls up. He begins to build your walls. So let's, let's put on a roof now. Let's do some shingles. Let's do all this other stuff in construction. Let's dry in the place first. Let's do the outside. Are you hearing? 
The Lord builds you bit by bit. He adds bit by bit. He doesn't add everything to you at one time because you couldn't handle it. He adds to you bit by bit. So building is the process of adding constructions that are, of adding pieces that are needed over time. There are some things that may not have been purchased for your house yet, for you yet, because it's not time. But we keep looking at other folk. They got this, they got that. That's fine. Let them have that. Let the Lord, who is the master builder, continue to work on you. Say with me, Jesus is working on me. And we can be confident in this. Let's go to uh, Philippians, the first chapter, Philippians 1, verse number 6. I want you to see this and have confidence in the Lord's ability. Philippians, the first chapter, verse number 6. This is how it reads. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a what? Good work in, in who? In you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He will complete you. Hallelujah. He's the master builder. Be confident in this, that he will continue to work on you until the Lord comes. Now, let me give you this word, too. I, I've, I've often said, sometimes under my breath, sometimes within me, sometimes, sometimes they may have come out. Lord, how much longer can I do this? Anybody know about the pressures of life, pressures of ministry? The pressure? How much longer can I do this? And this morning, just as we were taking communion, I thank God for Shekinah. I thank God for Brother Ken. As we were having communion in this morning's prayer, I was standing over by the door. And I didn't ask that question again, but I heard an answer. And I said, yes. And when you hear from the Lord, instantly your shoulders come down and you, you didn't realize that you were so tense until you hear a word from the Lord. This is what I heard the Lord say uh, to me, is that basically I will have what I need until the job is complete. You'll have all that you need until the job is complete. So I'm not going to run out of steam. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to burn out. I'll have all that I need until the job is complete. I'll be able to finish the course. Let me say that to you as well. You'll be able to finish your course. He supplies all that you need, and you will be able to finish and finish well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. So we understood that the Lord, of course, is building the church and the gates of hell. The Bible says shall not prevail against you. Gates meaning, of course, powers, the powers of hell shall not prevail against you. We know that. We understood that those uh, powers of hell uh, means that there is a that there are that there is a plan, strategy, and action that the devil, that the powers of hell, are aiming toward those that are being built upon the foundation. They're being aimed at you. There is a consistent attack. But Jesus said, once this structure is being built, once it is fully complete, those gates, those powers of hell, won't prevail against it. But in the meanwhile. While you are under construction, that devil sure going to try to put something on you. You're under construction. And while you are under construction, the devil knows that you are vulnerable. The building is not fully up yet. 
is still exposed to the elements. Maybe we haven't put the windows in just yet. It's still exposed. Still exposed. That means you're still vulnerable to attack. Because there's still some vulnerability, the Lord gives you his word. He says, I'm going to give you the keys because you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight. He said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. We looked at that on the last time. Now, these gates, these powers of hell, these, the gates of hell or the powers of hell have the ability to really tempt or entice the souls of men because the devil wants to pull you into those gates. Now, you're not going to hell. Thank you. Thank the Lord Jesus. If you are born of God, born again, glory to God. Yes, you have your fire insurance. You're not going to hell. But I tell you, it is very possible for a born again believer, a sincere follower of Christ. It is very possible for you to uh, live in hell and die and go to heaven. It is very possible for you to be overwhelmed in this life and be overcome. I have known pastors to commit suicide. How is that possible? You've known people that know Christ, that you say, man, I thought they were born of God, born again. What happened? They were overcome. They were overcome. Something was missed. Something was out of place. It's possible for us to believe the lies of the devil and to be overcome by lies, overcome by lies. And that at that moment, it seems like when you're when you're being tempted of the enemy, it seems like you are powerless to fight against the devil. It seems that way. And the devil's lies wants to the devil uh, wants to put your eyes out so that you cannot see who you really are in Christ. He wants to rob you. And we're going to see this today of your inheritance in Christ. He wants to rob you of what you have inherited in Christ, but we cannot let him do that. Tell your neighbor, you cannot let the enemy do that. It is the devil's goal to imprison you as much as he can to overcome you with the powers of hell. This is why you have to tell hell no. Now, when a believer enters those gates or enters or slips into temptation, begins to, begins to slip into sin. Now, being tempted is not a sin. Let me say that again. Being tempted when you were tempted, that's not sin. Jesus was tempted on all points but did not sin. Temptation simply means that there is an opportunity for you to sin. You have to decide whether you're going to receive that opportunity or not, whether you're going to go in that door or not. Somebody said, I'm tempted to slap you. I am tempted to slap. I've been tempted all year long to slap her every time she come around. I'm tempted. You only going to go to jail when you act out on that. Temptation. Is not a sin. But when you act upon it, that becomes sin. Are you hearing? When you are tempted, let me give you this advice as well. When you are tempted of the enemy, whether, no matter what the temptation is, whether you're tempted to slap, tempted to talk about, tempted to gossip, 
tempted to go into um, uh, some relationship, tempted to go into pornography or whatever. When you are tempted, when, when the enemy begins to draw your soul, you can keep looking straight ahead. Nobody knows that we're talking about you. When the enemy is drawing your soul, when you feel it in your flesh, when you feel that I got to do it. When you feel that I got to do it and the enemy is drawing you, your brain goes on the fritz. It goes on fritz because you would say, normally I wouldn't do this. I, I don't want to do this. Your inner man says, I don't want to do this. Whether it's going to the drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, your inner man says, I don't want to do this. But your body is speaking so loud. This is what you should do. Somebody says, should I drop and pray at that point? Yes. But this is what you should do. Here's a great technique. Procrastinate. Procrastinate. Say, yes, I can do this. But I'm away for a while. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'll slap you later. <laughs> later. The moment you say, I'll do it later. I'll drink that later. I'll do that drug later. I'll visit that website later. I'll finish this later. I'll, I'll do it later. The moment you try to, the moment you procrastinate, what happens? You put a pin in that pressure bubble that has been building in you. There's been a pressure bubble. Uh, that temptation brings, it, it just it just begins to, like you have a tire pump and you're just pumping and pumping and pumping and pumping and it's building and building and building that pressure. The moment you say, I'll do it later, it begins to, pssst, begins to deflate. And that temptation begins to lose its power. And then five, ten minutes later, you're like, hmm, I don't want to do it. You're deflating it, deflating it. Here's another example. Here's another thing that you can do as well. You can write this down if you like. Ask the Lord, have somebody call me. What I feel like this. Ooh, Jesus, I feel like it. I feel that stank leg coming home. Dance floor is calling me. Lord, I feel it coming home. Ask him, Lord, have somebody call me. And say, you know what? I'll do that later. Yeah, I can do it. I'll do it later. It's deflating. And many times you'll see somebody will call you. Somebody will text you. And it helps deflate that. Take the pressure off you so that you can, be, so that you can come back into your right mind. Because your body begins to fight against you and those chemicals begin to circulate through your brain and now you're not thinking correctly. It's almost like you, if, you, if it gets in you enough, it's almost like you go into a trance. And you say, I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I said that. Anybody? I don't know why I did it. I don't know why those chemicals are flooding your brain. There's a chemical reaction. And you're out of your mind just for a moment. You didn't plan to do it. But now there's a, a handprint on their face. 
and it's the same size as your hand. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? I'm not advocating violence, but you understand what I'm talking about. All right. The gates of hell, the powers of hell are tempting you to do something. The devil cannot make you sin, but he can, op- he can bring up an opportunity for you to sin. He can show you a door, but you have to be the one to walk through it. And when you walk through it, it will seem like, as you, if you're a born-again believer, it will seem like you are powerless to defeat the enemy, powerless to do anything. And you wonder, Lord, how did I get here? Why did I do that? And then you're on the road to recovery. You got to turn around and go back. Now, while you're in that state, while you're receiving the enemy's lies, here's what, he, here's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to make you become or resemble a natural man, a natural woman, a natural person, just a normal, natural person. Now, understand that you are a supernatural being. As a born-again believer, you are a supernatural being. God Almighty lives in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Where is Christ seated? At the right hand of God. Positionally, you are there and you have favor with God. But these lies are aimed at you to rob you of that. To neuter you so that you become ineffective. And once you are ineffective, the enemy can run all over you, run all over your home. He can just run all over you because now you're not saying anything because you feel so guilty. As I told you before, sin is what you have done. It is not who you are. Do not identify yourself with the works of sin. That is what has happened. That is what I did, but that's not who I am. You must identify with being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What you identify with, you will become like. Don't worry about what your body is doing. Identify with what's happening to you spiritually. And as you take on that form, your body will follow. Your soul will follow. Your thinking will follow. First things first, let's get the Lord here inside and identify with him. Walk by faith and not by sight. So again, the enemy is trying to rob you of your inheritance in Christ. He's trying to rob you now. Inheritance. Let's look at this for a moment. Inheritance means that there is a portion or a possession that has been laid out for you. When you think about uh, inheritance, you think about uh, some form of legal document that marks out what you're supposed to receive. And we think about that legal doc- document in terms of a will or a testament, the last will and testament. Now, once something is written in the will and the person has died, what's written cannot be changed. It has then become some fancy word, irrevocable or irrevocable, meaning that it cannot be reversed. It cannot be altered. It can't be changed. It's final. Jesus left you things in the will. Now, I love the Lord Jesus because he's the only one that wrote a will out and he died 
and then rose up again to come back and tell you what you're getting in the well. Other people can die and they, they tell their attorney, this is what you're going to do, and this, but they're gone. Jesus came back to administrate his own will. And he laid everything out for you and I. And he's here to enforce his own will. Let's look at Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews, the uh, ninth chapter, Hebrews 9. There are things that God left for you in the will. And he is here, even by way of his spirit, to enforce the will, to enforce his testament in your life. Hebrews 9, let's look at verse 15 through 17. Hebrews 9, verse 15 through 17. I hope you're still with me today. This is how it reads, Hebrews 9, 15 through 17. And it says this, that is why he, talking about Jesus, is the one who mediates a new covenant. Jesus is the one who mediates it. Uh, let me start again. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people. So that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. Now stop for a second. He said, so that all who are called, so that all who are called, you may have seen on the TV or maybe you've done it. When someone passes, they call the family in for the reading of the will. Those who are called, Junebug, SMA, Buki, Silly Sam, your names are all written in the will. So if your name's written in the will, you are called to the reading of the will. And at the reading of the will, it says, Uncle Junebug, uh, you get the house. <laughs> Silly Sam, you get the dog. Whatever's in the will, whatever was owned, is read, is read out. If you're called, now you're there for the reading of the will. If you are in Christ Jesus, your name is already on the roll, and you have been called to the reading of the will. Let's look at this again. So it says, uh, it says that, that is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people. I'm thankful that Jesus didn't leave it to an angel or somebody else. He know who he wrote down. He know who he said. He's the one who will say, I said this before I pass. Now I'm past. Now I'm back alive again. I'm telling you, this is yours. There's no disputing. He says here, Jesus mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called, say, I am called. So that all who are called can receive the eternal um, inheritance God has promised him. So first of all, you're going to get eternal inheritance. You got eternal life. That's the first thing that is written by your name that you will receive eternal life that cannot be revoked. It cannot be taken back. You have eternal life. We ought to jump and shout and stick our leg out and shake the leg. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus said, he that believes in me, though he were dead, shall live again. He said, you're never going to die. 
Why? Because I have inherited, you have inherited eternal life. You need to shout about that. You've got eternal life. You're never going to die. You simply walk out of this body, get into your new body. Praise the Lord. Move out of this old house, get into your new house. You're never going to die. It's written in the will, something that cannot be changed or altered. Once a person has died, it cannot be changed. Did Jesus die upon the cross? Absolutely. His will cannot be changed. You have eternal life. First part of the will. He said, uh, uh, those who are called can receive eternal, uh, eternal uh, inheritance. God has promised them. Then he says, for Christ died. There it is. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins uh, they had committed under that first covenant. Christ died to separate. That was a, some of the terms in his will that you won't suffer the penalties of sin that were written in the first covenant. Look at verse 16. Now, when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove that the one who made it is dead. Because you know some folk be lying. Isn't that right? They fake their own death and all that stuff. It is necessary to prove it. No, oh, Jesus did prove it. And as much as they, he died upon the cross and was buried in that tomb three days. And he rose all power in his hand. He died and he's, he's proved it. He's proved it. Verse 17. It's verse 17 says, uh, the will goes into effect only after the person's death. While the person who made it is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. So Jesus' will is in effect. Your inheritance is in effect. <laughs> Excuse me, online community. <laughs> Woo! Woo! That's not proper preacher etiquette. I don't care. Woo! Oh, my God, I love that. Let me give you some examples of some things that the Lord left you in his will. He left you, of course, eternal life. He left you the kingdom of God. He left you his word. He left you his spirit. He left you his name. In his name is also authority. He left you his blood. Glory to God. He left you his righteousness. He left you forgiveness. He left you love, joy, and peace. He left that to you. He left you faith. Yes, yes. All these things are written in the will concerning you. He left you healing. Yes. It is written in his will that by his stripes you were healed. It's written in his will. It's in his will. It is irrevocable, irrevocable. It cannot be changed or altered. Your name is right there. He left you power. He left you position, with, position in God. And I love this. He left you in a fully reconciled state between you and God the Father. That is, God is no longer mad at you. We got to stir the soup on that. Help me stir the soup now. Come on. He left you fully reconciled with God. 
God is not mad at you because of what Jesus has done. Excuse me once again. Woo! I'm happy about that. It's written in his will. It's irrevocable, irrevocable. It cannot be changed. Isn't it wonderful? So he called you all into the reading of his will. This is why the devil wants to steal your inheritance so much. Because if he can put your eyes out, you become weak just like any other man. The example that we can see, of course, in the life of Samson. He said, if you cut my hair, if you break my covenant, my agreement with God, then I'll become weak just like anybody else. But as long as I stand on the covenant, stand on the will of God, I am invincible. But the enemy tries to entice you to sin so that you will move away from your power, move away from the inheritance, so that you would want to think that it's not worth it. The enemy lies, lies to you because he wants to rob you of your inheritance. He wants you to become weak, just like everybody else. They're crying, then you start crying too. They're worried, then you start worrying too. They're fearful, then you start being fearful too. So you'd be just like anybody else. Then he can bind you, just like he did Samson, and put your eyes out, so that you're no longer a threat. But with Samson, he noticed his hair began to grow back out again. Because God forgives and restores. Oh my goodness, Richard, we're in rare form today. My goodness. So the enemy wants to try to wear you out in layman's terms. He wants to wear you out so that you will cast away your confidence. He wants you to think that what you're doing is not working. Your prayer is not working. You pray, 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 pray. Nothing happening. There's nothing happening. You done done this, done that, done this. Nothing's working. Nothing's working. Nothing's working. You may as well stop. Cast it away so that you'll be just weak like anybody else. This brings to mind the poor widow woman who went before the unjust judge. And she kept saying, avenge me of mine adversary. Avenge me of my adversary. Get my stuff back. And the Bible says the unjust judge, he would not for a time. Then he said, at least by her continual coming, she weary me. Now, here's the point that many people are. And then we got to begin to close out. And I don't want to, but here's what, where many people are. We think that if we pray and something happens, then we are effective. If we pray and we see something happens, then God heard me. But the fact of the matter is, even in this example, the first day she came and said, avenge me of my adversary, the first time she bowed her knee, if you will, she was effective. 
And the second time, she was effective. And the third time, she was effective. And the fourth time, she was effective. It was only on that last time that she see the benefits. The enemy wants you to think that you can't pray. God doesn't hear you. It's no use. You might as well stop. Why giving in the, in the offering? Why give the tithe? Why even go to church? It's not working anyway. He wants you to start seeing all that and identifying with that because he knows that every time you bowed your knee in prayer, every time you said, Father, here I am, your child, it was a slam against him. It shook the gates of hell with the power that was produced. He's trying to tell you, don't pray. Stop, stop, stop. Have somebody come by her job and curse her out. Stop, stop, stop. Whatever you got to do, stop them from doing it. Because he knows that you are effective. But he wants to put your eyes out so that you'll stop. He just wants you to stop. There's a lumberjack that went out into the forest to, you know, lumberjacks cut down trees. He had sharpened his axe and he hit the tree once. Boom. Well, I guess nothing's going to work. I'm going back home. What? Is the man an idiot? You got to hit it? And keep on hitting it, and keep on hitting it, and keep on hitting it until the tree falls. The first hit is just as effective as the last hit. Don't think that your prayers are in vain. Again, this is part of that gates of hell, powers of hell trying to prevail against you because the enemy wants to paint this this imaginary picture that you are ineffective and that God is not with you. And the moment you buy into that, you stop. Up until that point, they're shaking and they're sweating bullets. You, a child of God, praying and seeking the face of God. How could you ever think that your prayers are ineffective? How could you ever think that God is mad at you? Don't you realize what Jesus did for you? How he shed his blood, how he was beaten, unrecognizable for you. He went into hell for you. I love you, but I ain't going to hell for nobody. He went into hell for you. He bore your sins upon his own body. He went into the lake of fire to burn up your sins so there will never be any record of them ever again. How could you think that you are ineffective in prayer? How could you think that God is not with you when he paid a high price to be by your side every day? Every day, a high price to be with you. But that's what the gates of hell does. That's what the powers of hell does. Wants to convince you that God is not with you. He doesn't hear you. You're too old. You're too young. You're too this. You're too that. You sinned last night. God doesn't hear you. You think that you're more powerful than the blood of Jesus? That has reconciled you to God? You think that your sin, your one sin or tenth, your tenth sin or your one hundredth sin is stronger than the blood? I say no. 
But you can live in hell and then go to heaven if you like. Mm, that doesn't sound good to me. Don't allow the enemy to put your eyes out. Don't allow him to steal your inheritance. We'll talk more about this the next time we meet. There's so much more I have to tell you. There's so much more I have to tell you. You must become, you must become confident in who God made you. And that doesn't come just by watching TV all night long. That doesn't come with your phone. That doesn't come with that. You got to get in that word. I didn't say it'd be in the word all day long, but you got to find something in that word that stands out to you and declare it of your life. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am seated with Christ in heavenly places at the right hand of God. I am holy for he is who is he who has made me is holy. I am holy. I am holy. I am the redeemed. I am submitted to Christ. I am yielded to my father. I am one with God through Christ. Jesus my Lord I am reconciled to God you're going to have to begin to declare who you are and stand firm on it this is how the devil is not going to steal your inheritance anymore we need to say an end with that we need to say I'm not cussing we need to say hell no I always have to say that Ken I'm not cussing Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? It's time for you to stand up. It's time for you to arise. It's time for you to arise. Your hair has grown back. I need to tell you, it's grown back. It's long and flowing now. Somebody's receiving that as a prophetic word right now. It is long and flowing. sign that the Father has forgiven you. He is with you. Now put your hands back to the work and push until the house falls. Push until you've made an impact in your generation. Push. Push in the workplace. Push. Let him see the power of God working through you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for this moment you've given us to gather around your word. Lord, we pray today that you would restore our sight. Lord, that we'd be fully restored in Christ Jesus. And that your anointing and grace upon us would be fully restored. That we would reclaim our inheritance. Father, forgive us for believing the lies of the enemy. Forever believing that you were not with us. Forgive us, Lord, for ever thinking that you are mad at us. Forgive us, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, for ever thinking that you have forsaken us. Forgive us for thinking that our prayers were ineffective. Forgive us, Lord, for thinking that we were powerless. Forgive us, Father. Let the blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, wash these sins away from us. Wash our heart from these lies. And Father, we pray that you would fill us with courage and confidence that we may stand bold again 
that we may stand strong as the body of Jesus Christ. That we may stand strong, the church that is being built upon the rock. And we declare those powers of hell, the gates of hell, shall not prevail against us. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise today. In Jesus' name. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.